Welcome to everybody this morning. Glad to have a good crew here today and uh, give you a good southern warm welcome on this chilly morning. And uh, this is the last cold morning we're going to have this winter. By the way, I'm, I'm calling it. This is the, we're ready to move into spring. All the plants are ready to move into spring. Uh, I think all of the critters and the animals are ready to let it go, so it's time. Good to have everybody here with us this morning, uh, especially our visitors and guests. Uh, Bill Gray is with us this morning, uh, and Keith and Kathleen Bueller are with us from Anderson, Indiana. Good to have you with us as well. Uh, and any others that I, I know, uh, there's some family visitors, visitors this morning. And good to have you with us. And uh, good to be in the house of God this morning. Uh, there's a connect card in the pew if you'd like to fill that out so we can have some contact information. And uh, as far as giving, we're not going to pass the plate, but uh, we do have online giving uh, if you care to. And we also have a mailbox at the back if uh, for the... Uh, the regular attendees to, to contribute. You can see the notes in the bulletin about uh, Wednesday night. Uh, we have a guest speaker this Wednesday. Uh, Pastor Ray will be back next Sunday. And uh, Dana Owens will be starting the Keys to Freedom study in, uh, on March 23rd. So it's something to look forward to, be prayerful about. Uh, please sign up and let them know that you're interested uh, so they can go ahead and order the books and get them here on time. I'm going to do a little shout out. I don't see Carly in here, but I wanted to give Carly uh, an attica Earl this morning. Uh, she was at a youth function last weekend and did a little uh, karaoke lip sync on stage in front of a huge youth group and uh, did a good job. And we're proud of Carly. She was just in the back, that's fine. I've been doing a little rereading from Ephesians recently and I had a whole page of notes because there are good verses in Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3. And I couldn't decide what to use this morning, so I went to Chapter 4. <laughs> and, and I've got a few just to get us started this morning. Uh, and Paul writing about unity and maturity. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now there is one body and one Spirit, just as, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all who is over all 
and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And we'll skip over to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's have a little prayer to get us started. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for a beautiful Sunday morning to come and worship you, to get out and fellowship with your people. And uh, worship and thank you for what we have been provided, for all the blessings that you place, the promises that you've given. We pray that you will be in the message this morning. Uh, pray that you will be in the vote. And pray that you will be in all of our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalm 122, 1. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If you're able, please stand and let's sing once again we come.
to continue to stand. Great are you, Lord. sit or if you want to continue standing that's fine this is amazing grace who breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my
Children's Church now. Our speaker this morning doesn't need a long introduction because he's been uh, our interim pastor for a while now and working with us through this process of uh, calling a new pastor and uh, instrumental in that, uh, by the way, and uh, an excellent resource for us. Uh, pastor Ray Owens is uh, uh, comes to us lately from North Crossings Church and uh, he thought he was retired there but uh, we made him a better offer <laughs> uh, I, I don't usually do this and I know they're going to be worried now that I'm, I'm going to get off uh, uh, script but uh, before we get into the prayer this morning, and while you're thinking of prayer requests, uh, I wanted to mention one uh, special set. Uh, these are folks, uh, and I'm thinking of uh, Nancy and Tim and Reuben and Donna Vickery that have been working uh, as your search team this year, uh, I just wanted to say how appreciative I am of their work, their commitment, their steadfastness, their willingness to come to meetings at the last minute, and, and most importantly, to pray for the need. And I will just say this as well, they didn't just pray for our pastoral search. We prayed for all the other area churches that we knew of that were looking and churches across the country. Which brings me to the other thank you for those out there who've been praying for our pastor search uh, this last year and a half who don't even worship here. Maybe they have one contact from the church and they've been willing to spend time um, asking God to share and to bring us the person that we need to have here. And, uh, but I, am, I appreciate the search team and their work 
and I thought you should know that uh, they have done well for you. And uh, we just, I'm going to leave it at that. As far as uh, prayer requests, uh, we have a long list this morning because we have a lot of folks that came down with apparently the same thing last week. Uh, Barbara Powell, uh, Pat and Bob Eads both have been sick all week. L.M. Welch is still recovering. And um, that reminds me we need to be praying for the spouses and the caretakers for all of these folks because um, they're all at risk and they all need to be taken care of as well. Uh, Butch Hathaway uh, and others on the list like uh, Annie Balsamo. Uh, Shirley Weems is back with us this morning. Good to have Shirley. And then uh, we have some. Uh, Jerry Crane is on the list. But uh, we have others that have had losses this week in the family. And uh, we remember them, the Owens family. There's some traveling, and uh, glad you could stop in with us a little bit on your travels, but others are out of town. Um, especially want to remember Matt and Nicole Hunt this morning. Um, they've made their decision. They're waiting for the church's decision and call uh, or whatever. And we, uh, we just want to lift them up today. And their kids, because they all have a, they all have a uh, somewhere to go soon. We know they'll be called. And I'd like to remember Brother Ray this morning as he speaks to us, as he brings a message, and um, pray that God will give you what you need to say today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning that uh, uh, you are here with us and that your spirit is among us and that uh, you're speaking to the hearts of your people. We pray this morning that uh, we're appropriately thankful for not only your unfailing love and your gift of grace, But all of the promises that you've made and the ones that uh, you've already revealed and shared with us. And we thank you today even for those promises that are as yet uh, waiting to be shown to your people. We pray uh, not only for those who are here this morning, who are listening to your voice, but to those around us and in the world who maybe aren't listening as well yet. And we pray that you'll speak to their hearts today and uh, help them to uh, understand uh, the love and the and the promises that you have available, the, uh, the forgiveness and the welcome 
that we have in, in the kingdom. Father, we pray that you'll be with Brother Ray this morning as he shares with us. And uh, we pray that you will be in the boat afterwards. And that you'll be in the deliberations and the, uh, and the thoughts of your people this morning. Prepare us um, not only for the message, but for the world outside. And help us to be uh, good servants and to use the gifts you've given us uh, with those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Get this on. I got some good news. Brooke was telling me, you can turn me down a little bit. Brooke was telling me that um, I'm not live today. It's like the first time in two years I'm not live. I'm probably being taped, so I still have to be good. But uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It'll go, it'll go up later. So that is, thanks, Mike. Appreciate. Man, I'm excited to be here today. I hope you're excited. I look forward to meeting some of you, our guests. Uh, after the service, we are going to uh, dismiss and have a few minutes to greet one another, take a break, and all that. And, and then we'll uh, get together. Um, but I am excited today uh, by faith this morning. Uh, I just want you to know in the shower I sang, today's the day the Lord has made and it was awesome. I just want you to know something about that water hitting it and the spirit moving and it was angelic. I just want you to know that. But an opportunity today to come and worship and so many people sick, we don't know what they have. It could be Oma Delta, or whatever the latest thing is, uh, but either way, it's it's of the devil and all that. Also, um, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but but we have today Keith and Kathleen Bueller who visiting from uh, Anderson area while they're traveling today, and they're staying with the Mitchell girls. So pray for them. Uh, not the, pray for the Mitchell girls. Pray for Kathleen <laughs> and Keith. Uh, but no, seriously, good to have you guys here, and it was, I look forward to connecting with you. So thank you, uh, that is awesome. Um, and so today, I, can, I start a new series today that I felt the Lord laid on my heart, so you have on the back of your outline, I th- nope, actually, it's not there, is it? What happened? Hmm. I do not know what happened. That was all, when I left town Thursday, it was ready to go, so I don't know what happened. So I guess you don't have that line. So Brooke, I guess we're going to have to make sure it's right. Oh, okay. Well, I picked up one and got a blank sheet. Amen. Let's go. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) Okay, y'all all have an outline? Did anybody get a blank sheet? I think it's probably one of those, tell Priscilla, it's probably one of those things for the copy machine, ran through, but didn't copy the backside when it ran through. Okay, well we're starting a new series today. We're going to talk about the cast of Easter as we build to Easter. People in the story and all that, so today is meet the cast. And uh, today I'm going to start with keep failure from being fatal, 
and I have a scripture from a couple different uh, chapters in the Bible. I will be reading a little bit later out of the NLT. I also want to put kind of a final thing in on the back as you go around. There's a sign-up sheet. Right now, we, uh, as of Wednesday night, 10 had signed up for the Keys to Freedom class that uh, I was able to twist my wife's uh, uh, arm and get her to commit to come and, uh, and speak uh, starting not this Wednesday, this Wednesday special, uh, Mark Adams. Uh, who happens to be uh, uh, Carvin and Sandy's son will be here sharing. So an opportunity to be here and I really want to be here but I'm, I'm supposed to, as regional pastor, I have a state responsibility I've got to take care of. Um, so that's, that's exciting this Wednesday. Then the following Wednesday night, um, Either I, I'll be speaking in here or Carvin, one of us will be speaking in here, but Dana will be taking the ladies that sign up for Keys to Freedom. But we need to order the books really tomorrow. There's no cost to that. I really encourage you to sign up uh, if you would for that. Uh, heard nothing but good things about it and all I know is the ladies that get involved of it, like five of them signed up for the next time. It is a, a little different than last time and a lot different than how you guys did it. It is a very personal Bible study. It involves some time with the Lord every day. It's an eight-week commitment. We know that we have kids and you have uh, other commitments that you'll miss a week or two. We understand that, but uh, Dana's offered to come over and do that here, so that's in the back. Please don't forget to sign up today for that. Okay, so today, meet the cast. Any honest folks here today? It's a great place to be honest as in a church. Probably we ought to do business transactions in the church. And we sure need to do world transactions in the church. So how many of us will admit that we failed God at least one time along the journey? You better raise your hand. You better raise your hand. Absolutely everybody has. Today I'm going to talk about that this morning as we study the passion of the Christ, as we study that whole series and begin. So what's the difference in a successful life and an unsuccessful life? Here's what I want to tell you. It has absolutely nothing to do with failure. All people fail. I had the privilege to be uh, spend a fair amount of time, probably as much as most anybody, with John Maxwell. And I, I will tell you that his failing forward and his whole study of leadership really had an impact on my life. It's not if you're going to fail, you're going to fail. In fact, for all have sinned. How many of you know that all includes you? It includes you. And it definitely includes the person you're sitting next to. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all have. So what's the difference? It's how you deal with failure and how I deal with failure. Today I've got two cast members that I'm going to talk about that face failure. One is Peter and the other is Judas. And I want to read real quickly from the NLT, Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. Meanwhile... As Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, a servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Verse 71. Later, 
Out by the gate, another servant girl. What's the deal with these servant girls? Another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this was the man with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it. This time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little bit later, other bystanders came by to him and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your southern accent. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> Peter said, I swear by God, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away crying bitterly. Wow. Skip a book to Matthew 27, verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the other leaders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the money on the floor of the temple and went out and hanged himself. Father, anoint this time together. Lord, with the technical difficulties and lack of an outline and all these different things that we have, the joy is all that matters is that you're in this place. And that you love us and you want to speak to us, you want to encourage us. And God, it's so clear how much you love this church family here at Cypress Street. Because God, you placed a little of that love in me for them. Your love is uh, pure, it's amazing. Oh God, can we be encouraged today in this message? And may it really resonate in our lives. Lord, whether we've been saved for 70 years, 7 years, or 7 days. God, I pray that you would just speak to us. Encourage us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. So Peter denied Jesus three times, even swearing twice. And all of us southern folks know we don't swear. We don't do that. Peter did it. Uh, when he shouldn't have. He actually was warned ahead of time. And he, fought, and he fell. Judas betrayed him and turned him into the religious leaders. Judas did that and we know by the word of God he had remorse. He did it and he had remorse. He was convicted by it. He realized he had yielded to Satan. He felt bad about it. He felt terrible about it. He was very sad. Peter did it, came to his senses when he heard the Lord's voice. How many of you have heard the Lord's voice and come to your senses? I pray you've all heard the Lord's voice. And he heard the Lord's voice and, and he also was sad. So at this point, they're identical. They're the same. There's no difference. And also, don't pick on these two. Where's all the rest of the clowns? They're not apostles to me yet. They're struggling disciples. They haven't graduated from Jesus Seminary. <laughs> they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. They're all back hiding somewhere. So hey, give these 
two guys credit, they're out front, bless their hearts. So they're both the same. One of them, though, runs away from God, goes alone, runs away from God. The other one cries, is alone for a time, but runs to his fellow disciples. And we know the story. He runs to his disciples. They don't go, you sorry, peace. Well, you know, you don't you be around here. No, they accept him because they had problems too. He came to them. We all know the story. As God later anointed him, he preaches. 3,000 people get saved. Peter gets the keys to the church. The Catholic church thinks he's their first pope. We all love Peter and everything's wonderful. Because both failed identically. One ran toward God. One did not stay alone. One went alone and we talk about suicide. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. In my career as a psychologist through many times whew, I don't know how many times we've thwarted suicide among teenagers crazy emotional decisions and all that we've stopped it and I would say at high probability I don't know if it's 90% later getting to know them talk to them they're like oh thank you that was the dumbest thing I would ever done. Yes it was. You know what I'm saying? You don't feel that way two weeks later. I've even done suicide contracts with them where the kids, especially intelligent kids, and I've done a thing where it says, look, if you still like, feel like killing yourself on Monday, it's always Friday, opening day of hunting deer season when they're going to kill themselves, by the way. If you're a deer hunter, it'll be the night before you're leaving on your trip that they're going to do this. I'm just telling you. But anyway, you, you do a contract. If you still feel like after the weekend with all this and after seeing me on Monday morning that you want to do it, you know, it'll be okay. But you got to wait till then. You know what? Monday morning they don't want to do it. Praise the Lord. You don't need to be alone. And I've said this, and I'm going to say it in the sermon. You're going to hear it so many times, you're going to be sick of it, but you'll remember it. When things are bad, and you're mad at God, and life's not good, here's the thing, the smartest thing you can do. Run to God, don't run away from God. I'm mad at him, my kid's sick, or that girl I asked out and dated, she messed up, and I'm not getting married to her, and the world's falling apart. The economy's dropping. I've saved my whole life and all of a sudden all my stocks. Well, you know, run to God. Run to God. Not away from God. I failed him. Run to God. Two perfect examples. Nobody, a lot of people name their kids Peter. Not too many name their kids Judas. What's the difference? It's not that they failed. It's what they did with their failure. That's important. So, on your outline you don't have, and I don't know, Brooke, we have it or not, but it's not if we fail, but when you will fail. Okay? Um, so, will you allow, what will you allow God to do with a failure? Here's the cool thing. God loves to take failures and turn them into triumphs. God doesn't ever waste a good failure. God doesn't waste failure. He uses failure. So, to keep failure from being fatal, what do you do? First of all, understand that God is not surprised by your failure. We've talked about this many times in different sermons and different times that we've talked about. It amazes me the folks that think God doesn't know. I have theological discussions with people all the time that struggle with God. God's not human. He's so far beyond it. He's sovereign. He's all the omnis, you know, that we've talked about many times. 
He can know you're going to fail, love you the whole time, and help you through it. Where you and I would go, if he's failing, I ain't going down that ship. We're not going down that road. We're human. God's not that way. He's amazing. People who failed and went back into addiction, bless their hearts, man. Do not judge them. There cannot be judgment. God has done so much for them. They feel guilty. They feel terrible. You know, and then some of them were raised, God expects perfection. I want to tell you, God's not a dictator. God is a heavenly father. So what do we mean by heavenly father? Anybody got kids here and want to apologize? Raise your hands. Come on. Raise your hand. Okay. You got kids. Some of y'all were hatched, I guess, because you don't have kids. It, it was an egg deal. Boop, there I came. <laughs> yeah, you got kids. Okay. I, I, I mean, you know, babies, they come along and, and then we put them down and we scoot them and kind of help them. And then they become rugrats. And then they really get crazy and start climbing curtains. I love curtain climbers. You know, and they work through the stages and then you get to where you start, you know, having them walk and all. Did you ever expect your baby child to fall or fail? You better. You know they are. I remember in Brooke's case, what are those things called? Onesies or something? You put them on and they got, you know, and we probably bought ours from China or somewhere, but it didn't have grippies on the bottom of it, I guess. Or maybe they were gone. But you know, you, you know, you you hold them like this and all, and then at one point they they take off on their own. You know, oh, and you know they move fast. They can move from around ten feet a second. You know, like how did that happen? And they fall. And what do you do? You pick them back up again as a loving father or mother. You pick them back up. You hug them. You but you get back and you let them make steps. In other words, you know they're going to fall, but that's what you do to them. And I knew she's going to fall. I still loved her. You knew your kids are going to fall. That's what I'm talking about. So I want to ask you to remember something. Now for some of us, this is a long memory. We might need to take some of that Prevagen or whatever they're advertising. <laughs> or drink a Mountain Dew this morning. Do you remember the day God's Holy Spirit spoke to your heart? You knew you were a sinner, and you repented, you confessed your sins, God cleansed, and he saved you. Do you remember that? Try to remember that. Remember that day. Remember that place. And if you get older, you might not remember exactly where you were, but man, that's a powerful moment. Hold on to that marker. Here's what happened. When that happened, God stood you up on your two feet as a babe in Christ and he knew you were going to fall. Do you follow what I'm saying? He's holding you. He, caught, he lifted you up. You begin to walk this new journey of faith and he knows you're going to fall. He's made provisions to help us not fall. He'll do everything with it, but he knows we're going to fall and we're going to fail. You will never learn to walk unless you learn to get back up when you fail. And you need to run to God. In Matthew 26, uh, 33, Peter declared, this is awesome. This was before that. Even if everybody else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, the truth is this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. 
Peter didn't want to do it. He had all the desire not to do it, but he failed. And when he failed, he felt terrible and he cried and he was miserable. Did Jesus know Judas was going to fail him? Did Jesus know Peter was going to fail him? Yes, yes. He knew it and he still loved them. And he knows you're going to fail and I'm going to fail and he still loves us. The next scripture is uh, Matthew 26, 23. One of you who is eating with me will betray me. That's pretty clear. Judas, the one who betrayed him, also asked, Teacher, I'm not the one, am I? And Jesus told him, You have said it yourself. Remember, go do what you got to do. Wow. So, that's almost one of those boom things. Meaning, God knew they were going to fail and he loved them anyway. So, as I said in the first point, understand that God's not surprised by your failure. The second thing, don't isolate and shame yourself for failure. Find a safe place to share it. Don't isolate and shame yourself for failure. Find a safe place to share it. Brothers and sisters, right now this day, I'm so proud of this church family. Man, I've seen, you know, North Crossings, of course I was there forever. You know, I've seen them grow so much and I have seen y'all, you guys grow and just really getting to know you. I've seen you grow here for so many reasons. But one is because that you have become a naturally loving, accepting group of people. You know, you love and accept visitors, of which there's a few here today. You love and accept people who are struggling in life. You love and accept people who have failed. In other words, we're, we're moving to the place that not like a lot of churches that are pharisaical and have the evil eye, you know, well, I never, and all that. We've moved away from that. Of all the places, the church should be a place where no judgment's here. This is a place where we all come at the feet of the cross and we're all, it's all level playing field at the foot of the cross. Amen? And that's the spirit I see that's taking over and is moving here. And I'm so proud of you. This needs to be a safe place for the world. For people that don't look like us, people bless their heart that do look like us. Oh my goodness, bless their heart. You know, that's Southern for their messed up, okay? Uh, In our story, Peter ran back, Jesus ran away. I have a a scripture I want to read to you. When we get this and we run from God and we hide from God, there's a problem. In Genesis 3, 7 through 10, God told them not to eat a fruit. Y'all know the story. In fact, I was reading a Bible. I bought my grandson who's 11 and he's not a normal 11-year-old cognitively, but I, I was reading this Bible story book to him and we were running through Genesis and I was so proud as I was laying there, I'd go on and say, well, who was... Who was this? Who was that? And he would tell me the story. And I started asking him some pretty theological questions. I go, man, I had to go to Bible college to learn that. He, he did, I just was enjoying this. So it says, at that moment when Adam and Eve ate, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And Liam was saying, shame. Interesting. So they were naked and not ashamed. Now they're naked and ashamed. And I said, yeah, what's the difference? Well, they did what God told them not to do. You know, and I said, yep, they messed up. 
Yeah, they messed up, Papa. They really messed up. And I'm going, amen to that. We've been paying for that ever since. It was wonderful. So they strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Toward evening they heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid themselves among the tree. The Lord God called out to Adam, where are you? I want to stop right there. This is not on the outline. God has been calling those words out to you and me our whole life. Where are you? Because his goal, read the beginning, read the story. His goal is to have an intimate, daily relationship with us, to come down into our garden and our world and spend time with us. Where are you? I want to hug you. I want to love you. I want to spend time with you. That's where God is. Sorry, I got off. He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. In other words, I was exposed. Let me ask you something. He ran away. They put on clothes. They hid. Can you hide from God? I love kids when they're, they love to come over to my house and play hide and go see. And they think if they can't see you, like right now, Adam, I can't see you. <laughs> but you can see me. It's so funny. Now that was stupid, but that was good. Can you hide from God? Bible says at the end they're going to ask for mountains and rocks to fall on them. Can you hide from God? You think he can look through a rock? You can't hide from God. So when you mess up and you come to your senses like the prodigal son came to his senses, run to God. Go to him. Man, fall into his arms. Get a hug. You will never from God get your sorry self away from me. No, God will run. Read the prodigal son. He sees you sorry, messed up person and he's running to you. Now, if you don't like that view of God, we need a one-on-one, -on -one, probably 10 or seven, seven to 10 hours of therapy. Bible therapy. Judas got alone. He couldn't handle the pain. He hung himself. Peter ended up with the rest of the disciples. And yes, I call this the Sad Saturday Support Group. That's my new name for that. Who's the Sad Saturday Support Group? All the disciples and the gals. Because on Friday he died. I've been to the place. I've seen it. I've seen exactly where it is. I understand it. I've been to even the one the Catholics say. I've been to the one the Greek Orthodox say. And I've seen the real one. Okay. I've been everywhere. I've seen that. I'm telling you. And they were in the upper room. They were upset. They were scared. They were upset. And it was a Sad Saturday Support Group. But praise God Sunday's coming. I know exactly what happened. They were filled with remorse. There was weeping, both of them. It was bad. James tells us in James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has much power and wonderful results. Here's what I want to tell you. We need each other. 
You cannot live the Christian life alone. One of the blessings of a godly marriage is having a wife or a husband that keeps us in check, who has a different personality than us, and those that don't have that are at a disadvantage because they don't have that check and balance that's there. That's why we need to be a part of a church family. And yes, I'm saying that to the world. You need to be a part of a church family where you rub each other wrong. I love Mike, so stand up, Mike. I love Mike. Mike's awesome. We have a different personality. His is probably better than mine. But we have a different personality. But when we're together and we're talking about things and we're sharing, we kind of rub each other maybe sometimes the right way, sometimes the wrong way. Somebody goes, I agree with that. Somebody goes, well, he's a pastor. I'm not going to immediately disagree with him, but I'm going to pray for him. He ain't right. Thank you, Mike. My point is you need one another. You need to rub each other the right way, the wrong way. And when somebody's down, you need encouragement. You're not going to ever be alone if you're in this church family. You need somebody to lift you up. So when you see somebody down, like we got a bunch of people sick, you know, I've been praying for Butch. You know, just things come to you. When you see people who are down and they're upset, you know, you, you love on them. You pray for them. You know, that, that's what you do. We need one another. As a little kid say, I need God with clothes on. Mommy, could you come in here and put me to bed? You know, you know we need that. We don't need judgment. We don't need that at all. I could tell I made some of you uncomfortable. I'll come back up here. When I taught at the university, the students never went to sleep in my class because I might come up and start teaching by them if they started doing this. <laughs> the Bible also says in Galatians 6:2, share each other's troubles and problems. In this way, obey the law of Christ. Wow, obey the law of Christ by sharing our troubles? Woo, church, we need to do genuine sharing. The most fatal wounds on the outline I had that you don't have, the most fatal wounds of failure are self-inflicted wounds. That's what Judas did was a self-inflicted wound. Number three, learn to take God's grace personally. We just sang Amazing Grace. Thank you, ladies. That was great. And that was a great rendition and real exciting. I did miss the little doop-de-doop-doop song this morning. I don't know why, but I did miss that. But Amazing Grace, yes. These two had been with Jesus for three years. They had seen Jesus give grace to many, many people. In fact, who did he spend most of his time with? People that needed a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness. In fact... Jesus is more likely to be walking around in our community and maybe the south side of our community or whatever the side is that he's more likely to be out there doing that than he is to be in here. Now, he came to church every Sunday, every Saturday, sorry, as was his custom. We know that. But I'm saying all through the week, he was out there. And these disciples saw him giving grace. And so they should have known that Jesus would give them grace, right? Peter got to experience it because he came back to him. Judas didn't. Here's what happened. When the time came, they couldn't give themselves grace. Here's what I want to tell you. If God loves you and I enough to give us grace, we need to give ourselves grace. In 1647, Oliver Cromwell and his group got King Charles I out of power in England. The next year they found him guilty of trying to have a civil war in England. So they tried him, convicted him, and hung him. 
Several years later, the Royalist Party got back into power and Charles II became king again of England. That was his son. 59 people signed the death warrant accusing Charles number one of civil war and put him to death. So Charles II decided to try all 59 of the people, try them, convict them, hang them. The problem is 15 of the 59 were already dead and buried. Get this. Charles had their bodies exhumed, tried them and hung them, <laughs> or beheaded them. Dead bodies. Now that sounds like that dude has some issues. That's the modern word for that. Well, here's what I want to tell you. Satan does this. Satan is an accuser. Satan likes to dig up old, dead, buried, forgiven sins and remind us of them. And as crazy as that is, we have it happening all the time in our life by Satan. When God distinctly saying, I remember forgetting that and forgiving you of that. And yet we let Satan bring up that past. There is now no condemnation for those who have confessed it, given it to the Lord. There's none, no more. It's gone. What part about East and West do we not understand? Maybe we're, you know, we're not getting it. That's what I had on your outline, Romans 8.1, Psalms 103.12. 1 is the no condemnation. 103.12, as far as the east as west, Isaiah 1.18, I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. How many of you know your sin was like crimson? How many, uh, I was out of town, what night was that? Was it Thursday night late it snowed? Friday night. Okay, Friday night it snowed. Did anybody see the snow? Okay. Let me tell you, snow's white. It's white. And what he's saying is even though your sin is red, I mean, it's red. I mean, it's whiter than snow when God cleans. I mean, that's white. You don't want to paint your ceiling that white. I'm just saying that's white. That's what God does for us. Man, that's exciting. Woo! Number four. Remember that the enemy will win some battles but never forfeit the war. In other words, if you forfeit, what does that mean? You give up. So remember that the enemy's going to win some battles, but never forfeit the war. One lost battle doesn't mean Satan's won the war. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, our brother Paul. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We're perplexed. Amen. <laughs> But we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Amen? So, what I'm telling you, and Jesus said in this life, you're going to have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome. See, Judas did not get beat. Judas quit. He forfeited. Adam, this is for you. John Maxwell tells a story. God really meant a lot to me in, in my life, has meant, especially in the early days of my ministry and leadership. He tells the story of his nephew, Eric. When Eric was five years old, Dr. Maxwell, who was pastoring at that time down in San Diego, um, went to Eric's first baseball game. And John, at that time, if you know anything about his story, he was extremely busy. And back in those days, pastors wore suits everywhere. Remember uh, last Sunday, 
um, Matt, Brother Matthew said that, uh, I don't know if you heard that, but his dad wore a three-piece suit his whole life. You know, that was the uniform. And he would come home, remember, in the evening and have to do garden work or whatever, and he didn't have enough daylight, so he'd do it in a suit. Same thing here. John Maxwell went to the ball game, and he could look at his face and see Eric, five-year-old, was scared to death. First baseball game, first, you know, professional at bat, you know, up there. Scared to death. He was nervous. And he went up there and held the bat and was shaking. First one strike, second one strike, third one strike. Dejected, he walks back to the dugout. The other kids are like, Give me, you're killing me, Small. You know, we're dead here. This, oh my gosh, what a, you know, terrible. You know how... How many of you know kids can be cruel? Oh, my stars. Cruel. So, Dr. Maxwell knew he had to do something. If you know anything about John, I mean, he's going to do something. So, he got out to the dugout and got down on his knee on, on his uh, suit there. And he said, Eric, next time you get up to bat, buddy, he gave him a hug. I don't care where the ball is, how high it is, I want you to swing. I want you to swing the bat. You got it? You're going to swing the bat. Yeah, Uncle John. Uncle John. Well, he goes back up. Next bat comes around. John Maxwell's out there, you know, and he's kind of closer to the deal. And sure enough, Eric swings. He misses one. It was, you know, the next one, the pitcher, God was involved in it, threw it, he swung and he hit it and it went. And John says he took off running, went around the other dugout in first place and then he was running to second. The guy threw the ball and he said, and he had to slide, Eric had to slide and he said, as I was running back, coming around to see it, you know, around the dugout, I slid in my suit. Man, I'd love to see that. Fast forward 13 years. Eric was a senior in high school. He stopped by Dr. Maxwell's home and Aunt Margaret answered the door. He said, can I see Uncle John? Sure, he's in the office in there. He said, Uncle John, do you remember the day you came to my baseball game when I was five and you made a fool of yourself? <laughs> of course I remember. I think about it often. In fact, I tell the story some. Well, that really sparked something in me, and it made me love the game of baseball. And I played it since, Uncle John, and I know you know that. I just got some news today, and I wanted to come tell you first, before he told his parents, before he told anybody else. I just got a full baseball scholarship to the number one ranked University of Arizona team. Well, the tears swelled up, and they cried and everything. And he says, Uncle John, thank you for telling me to swing the bat. Now what does a story like that have to do with a sermon? We're going to fail. We're going to strike out. We're going to hit foul balls. We're going to sometimes. But you can't let Satan win by defeating you. You got to keep hitting the ball. If there's a neighbor that you've talked to about the Lord and they keep rejecting you, then you can do this. I can go over to Mike and say, Mike, tag team it. Y'all know anything about wrestling? I've had it. Boom, it's your turn. There is somebody that's not in here today but goes to this church that is saved because I tag teamed it with somebody. I'll just tell you, in this church, a very faithful member, that years ago, I prayed for them till I got tired of praying for them. 
and I tag teamed it with Dana and I said it's your turn then I tag teamed it with another person tagged then it came back around and they got saved in other words it was my turn it was about I tag teamed it two or three times it took them about 12 15 years to get saved you never give up you keep trying When Peter heard the rooster crow, I guarantee you he felt pretty bad. The last thing on his mind when he, when he heard the rooster crow was, I will preach and thousands will be saved. The last thing he ever thought is that he'd say, hang me upside down. You follow what I'm saying? Look at Peter the failure. Look at Peter who came back to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit anoint him and take a broken vessel that Satan would say, you're a piece of junk, you're no good. Look what happened. Wow. Wow. Your future is not determined by whether you fail or not. Your future is how you let God help you deal with your failure. Run to God and let him help you deal with your failure. So, the good news this morning, run back to God. Step back up at the plate and let's bat again. And if there is anybody this morning that has condemnation or negative or that one big failure, we just heard an amazing story of testimony with Matt and Nicole of failure and restoration. Wow, what a powerful testimony. That ought to encourage you. We just heard a story of Peter. That ought to encourage us. Let me tell you, all of us have fallen short and messed up and we failed. That, that has happened. Here's what I'm telling you. If you're guilty about it and feel bad, my advice, make sure let's confess it to God. If you need a witness, I'll come with you. Trust me, there's nothing you could tell me that I hadn't heard before. In fact, I have to be careful going, oh, you're upset about that? Let me tell you about <laughs> you know, In other words, that's okay. In other words, confess it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to slap us twice. No, no, that was. If we confess to him, truly confess, not like confessing blah, blah, blah. I mean, with your heart broken like Peter was. And all. When we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And it doesn't stop there. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it doesn't stop there. And we get filled with the Holy Spirit so we don't keep failing. Should we keep failing so grace more abound? No. We get more energy. But if we keep going along and we get over here in life pretty far from where we are and we fail again we might kind of go back to here. Guess what? We'll get going. We'll get going. And then one day we're over here. And you know what I know about people who are truly over here, who truly love the Lord, who are the Peters of life? They're not judgmental. Nobody over here that's truly holy in God, loves God, speaks to God, hears Him move, prayed for people and they're healed, they're not judgmental. Because they know where they've come from and they know that grace that they receive from God. Isn't that awesome? So you get to where you just love people. The purity of living a Christian life, brothers and sisters, is how will they know that you're my disciple? By your judgment. By your righteousness. No, come on, read the Bible. What's the number one commandment? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and love your neighbors yourself. They will know you're my disciples by your love one for another. Now that's convicting and that's powerful. Amen? Are we doing a song? I don't know. I'm just asking. It doesn't matter. Are we? Okay. We're going to do a song. Bow your heads with me. Father God, we just heard a story, a very powerful story of two guys as we begin to build up for the greatest story ever told. How you, Jesus, gave your life willingly up as a sacrifice, as the perfect, pure, only perfect, pure lamb. You gave it up willingly to pay the price that we can have no condemnation now, that we can live a life holy, that we can be set free, that we can have victory, that we can go back to bat again. And even as we slip and fall, your love is constantly coming forth. Lord, you called us to be ambassadors. You gave us the ability to love the unlovely. You give that. So God, my prayer for the body today here and those that are listening later, Lord, around is that God, right now, they would just close their eyes and say, God, give me. Lord Jesus, give me the sense to run back to you when I fail. Give me the power to love like you love. Oh God, give victory. Give joy this morning. May we fail and get up again and know that victory is ours because of faith in Christ Jesus. And Lord, if we get so down, we just don't know that we can make it. Let us flip to the end of the book and read the end of the story. And Lord, know you won the war. We can handle our little battles because you have won the war. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Spirit of the living God.
one of my favorite scriptures is out of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2, 3, 4. He's just talked about all of the witnesses of faith. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. In one version it says entangles our feet because the next statement says fixing our eyes on Jesus. But he says if we can avoid the sin that entangles, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Um, your outline says that we're going to have circles following. Well, that would have been ordinarily. And if we get through with the little business that we have to deal with after the service today, after about 10 minutes, we're going to start that. We'll have a time of prayer in the fellowship hall or at the altars for whoever wants to. Be glad to do that. Everyone is, is welcome to stay, but, but we understand if you want to, to move on and, uh, and avoid the business meeting. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for the message today. We thank you for the promise of forgiveness. Because he didn't say, if you fail, he knows we will. And he knows he can pick us back up, set us back on our feet, and we can toddle along and find our way. But we can do it with his help. Pray that you will be not just with the people here, we, we ask that you were with us, but we want you to be with all of your people. Uh, no matter what they fail at, pray that you will lift them up, strengthen them, mold them, and use them. Use us all. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.